It's showtime. Don't say it, please. Don't say it. No, I have to say it, Mitch. Showtime. Showtime. It's showtime, everybody. Showtime. Hello and welcome back to the Showtime Movie Podcast, the post-Oscars edition, post-Oscars 2020 edition of the Showtime Movie Podcast is here. Don't worry, it'll be a quick one because I am recording this. I'm burning the midnight oil. Actually, it's 1 a.m., so burning the 1 a.m. oil, the early, early morning oil. Got to get out of the studio before the morning crew actually arrives here. Not because they need the studio, but because... It would just be depressing to be here when people the next day are starting, and I have not yet gone to bed. So we will motor through some of the best moments from the 2020 Oscars. We will talk about some of the strange moments, some of the awesome wins tonight, and some of the other moments as well. I think there were a lot of interesting little, like very little things that happened, like the camera crew just kind of snitching on people in the audience. Love that. That's always a huge part of the Oscars. And I dare say any award show, not just the Oscars, of course, Emmys, Grammys, Tonys, whatever, right? You, you can go down the, run the gamut of award shows. That's always a big part of it, but I love seeing it at the Oscars because the Oscars, whether you hate it or love it, they are by far the most prestigious night at the at the awards. Not, I was going to say at the movies, but at the awards, period. That, that's what it is, right? The Grammys and Emmys, they are up there, but I don't think there there is a, a ceremony that carries with it this kind of prestige for any industry. And I think the Oscars and the Academy have done a great job of continuing to make people think that at the very least. Right. I mean, I certainly do. And if you're listening to it, I, I dare say you do as well. So without further ado, let's get right into the winners the big winners and the big takeaways from the 92nd Academy Awards, better known as the Oscars. It seems that I would be doing you guys a disservice if I started this episode by talking about anything other than Parasite, right? I mean, Parasite was the big winner. It took home four Oscars, four Oscars. So we already kind of knew. No, I let me rephrase that. We knew, not kind of knew. We knew it was going to take home best international feature. That was as slam dunk a pick that existed at the Oscars. And best original screenplay, it was, I think, not as much of a slam dunk, but considering it won at the Writers Guild and it won at a host of other places as well, it looked like original screenplay was in the bag as well. But, you know, it's the Oscars. You never really know. Once upon, once upon a time in Hollywood could have taken home that one as well. But Parasite took home original screenplay and best international feature, which were, I think, for the most part, pretty predictable. Now, the two categories in which it absolutely stunned people, it absolutely stunned me in a great, super positive way. I, I have to say, I've never been more positive. I've never been more happy, I should say, than to, to tear up a ballot than for Parasite. Because if you guys remember the episode I did with Rob Wong earlier in the year, Parasite was my favorite movie I saw this year. It was tremendous to watch it in the room I did at TIFF. People were on the edge of their seat. Like, I legitimately don't know, and I've said this before, but I legitimately don't know if I've ever seen a movie where the crowd was as into it and enthralled as they were throughout every second of that film. It was absolutely magnificent, and it deserved to win 
the next two awards, which were Best Director for Bong Joon-ho and, of course, Best Picture. Parasite is the Best Picture winner, the best movie of the year, which is just so much fun to say. It's fun to say. Hashtag Bong Hive, right? That's become a real thing over the past, I would say, uh, maybe six months or so. Maybe a little less than six months, right? Maybe four or five months. But still, it has been awesome to see. Parasite is absolutely phenomenal. Now, let's talk about the awards specifically. So we already kind of touched on original screenplay and best international feature, slam dunks for international feature. Again, bit of a bit of a heavy favorite for original screenplay, but they pulled it through. For best director, I find that really interesting because I had said on this podcast before when we did the Oscar predictions with Quentin Amundsen, the winner of the Directors Guild Award has gone on to win Best Director at the Oscars for the last five straight years. And, you know, maybe there's some, there's been some bumps in the road, but for the most part, the, the Directors Guild Award is the award that points the way to Best Director. Absolutely. Sam Mendes did a tremendous job with 1917. Tremendous achievement. But Bong Joon-ho, that movie was so different. It, it, like, I think I said this before again, but the genres change right the movie mutates almost like a parasite right i'm sure that was intentional obviously and it was just it was a huge upset i would say that was the biggest upset of the night even more than best picture just because of the ironclad kind of resume that had pointed the way to best director for sam mendes in 1917 based on all the history that had come before right parasite was the second favorite for Best Picture, it was the dark horse in terms of odds, in terms of everything leading up to it. Interestingly enough, 1917 and Parasite, both are movies that did not have a single acting nomination. And only 11 films in history, okay, in history, have won Best Picture without a single actor or actress nomination. Slumdog Millionaire was the most recent one to do it. That was 11 years ago, if you can believe that. And it's funny because the last two quote-unquote finalists for the uh, Best Picture Award were two movies that, in, that kind of fit that criteria. It's pretty remarkable, I think, when you th- when you really think about it. I think it's pretty crazy to crazy crazy to say out loud. But Parasite winning Best Picture, absolutely tremendous, and I think it deserves all the accolades it gets. I believe Bong Joon Ho. There was a stat floating around on social media. I saw that he has become the first person to win four Oscars into four individual Oscars for a single movie. I I want to say that's incorrect. Not because he didn't win. He 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 takes home four Oscars after tonight for sure. For those four categories we mentioned: best picture, best director, best original screenplay, and of course best international feature. But I think technically for best international feature, he personally, even though he's taking home the the trophy. I don't think he actually wins. Technically, South Korea wins, right? It's the country that wins, and the director of the film or the producer of the film or whatever usually takes it home. In this case, of course, he is both. But yeah, I just wanted to put that out there, not because I want to rain on your parade and I'm a wet blanket. I mean, I am that, obviously, as you guys know. But uh, I know I, I just find it interesting. I, I think it's so remarkable that he takes home four Oscars and three of them are for some of the most prestigious Oscars I, I d- dare say ever, right? The screenplay category, best picture and best director. That's just absolutely tremendous. I should also say one of the best moments of the night, we'll get, we'll get into some of the other ones in a, in a sec here, but I have to say the best moment of the night, the best moment of the night, for sure. I was, cause I just, I just said one of the, but the best moment without a doubt to me was when Bong Joon-ho won Best Director 
And he got up there, and he started to give his speech, and he was just floored. You could tell it. He was enjoying himself. He was laughing. He was smiling. It was very positive. It was so fun to see. He seems like a really nice guy. And you're looking at the interpreter and himself, and he starts talking about his journey to this point as a director. And he shouts out Martin Scorsese, who he watched as a student and studied him, and it was really important to him uh, that he got nominated in the same category as Martin Scorsese. And he said that, and he pointed, and he kind of laughed. He said, "It sounded. He sounded so happy." And right after that, the entire crowd got up and gave Martin Scorsese a standing ovation. Ah, 너무 감사합니다. 그리고 그 어렸을 때 제가 항상 가슴에 새겼던 말이 있었는데 영화 공부할 때 가장 개인적인 것이 가장 창의적인 것이다. Thank you so much. When I was young and studying cinema, there was a saying that I carved deep into my heart, which is the most personal is the most creative. 그 말은, uh, that quote was from uh, our great Martin Scorsese. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's some good stuff. Like, that is really cool. We'll try and sprinkle in a couple more moments audio-wise for you guys, but that was a really neat moment. It's kind of like movie magic, right? It just it makes you feel good. Parasite was the feel-good story of the year, and I think we kind of needed it after Green Book won last year. Don't get me wrong, Green Book had some interesting parts, but it's just it just seemed like last year was a generally weak year, and this year, by contrast, was very strong. We got some very great movies this year. I think I would say... Of all the nine movies that I got nominated for Best Picture, only one of them deserved or did not deserve to get nominated, which would be Joker, of course. I probably would have swapped that out for Uncut Gems. Or, you know what? No, I would I would swap it out for The Farewell. That's what I would swap it out for. That movie, as you guys heard, I, talk about, I talked about that movie also with Rob Wong in that same episode we did Parasite in. It's a shame we did not get Oscar nominations, but it was definitely one of the best movies of the year, but it was really cool to see Bong Joon-ho take home four Oscars for the phenomenal the phenomenal Parasite. It definitely feels like after... Parasite won all of the basically most important awards that a lot of the other going-ons at the Oscars themselves got kind of overshadowed. I think rightly so. I think rightly so. I'm not complaining. Don't get me wrong. The other Oscars this year, I feel like this was a really interesting year because it felt like some of the major categories were up in the air. I didn't necessarily think Best Director was up in the air, but it turns out it was. Best Picture was up in the air. The original screenplay and adapted screenplay felt like they were also up in the air. But outside of those four major categories, I would say 20 other categories, the other 20 categories, because there are 24 right now, I would say they were extremely predictable. Like, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here. I went 19 of 24, okay? 19 of 24, there are some people who went 21 of 24, and I, I dare say... 21 of 24 is probably the best a lot of people did, okay? And the reason I say that is because this has been, this was a year where 
you if you picked all of the favorites in every category, you'd have gotten to 21 to 24. That's the thing, right? Because the favorite for best director was 1917. The favorite for best picture was 1917. And funnily enough, I think where a lot of people got screwed was on sound editing and sound mixing. Because usually, usually, I'm not saying this is how it always happens, but usually when you make that prediction, it's hard to say sound mixing should go to this movie and sound editing should go to another movie, right? Now, I believe the way it, it, the the breakdown happened this year was sound editing went to Ford v. Ferrari and sound mixing went to 1917, right? I may be mixing those up. I par- apologize if I am, but still, th- those two movies won those two awards, okay? Now, like me, because I'm a coward, I, uh, I picked 1917 to win both of those both of those Oscars, right? I picked... 1917 to win both sound editing and sound mixing. I'm sure some people picked both Ford v. Ferrari to win both of those as well, but I think very few people, maybe people said this aloud, but I think on their ballots, because I think it's sometimes it's hard to say, you know what, I'm going to break with tradition and say this is this is what's going to win. This is maybe the favorite, but this is going to win instead. I think a lot of people on their ballots put one of 1917 or Ford v. Ferrari for both those sound sound editing, sound mixing awards. And I think that's where a lot of people got screwed because, again, I'm looking, I have the results in front of me, okay? If you picked all of the favorites for the acting awards, you would have won. If you picked the favorite for cinematography, costume design, original score, original song, makeup and hairstyling, of course, international feature film, film editing, documentary feature, production design, you know, um, visual effects and the screenplays. I know I said the screenplays are up in the air, but even most recently, Parasite and Jojo Rabbit were the ones that won, and they won anyways. So what I'm saying is, if you got 21 out of 24, the chances of you having picked all of the favorites are extremely high. They are extremely high. I got 19 out of 24 because, again, I uh, got one of the two sound awards right. I did not get Best Picture right. I did not get Best Director right. And I kind of gambled on two other categories that I thought maybe were a little bit more toss-ups. I picked Klaus over Toy Story 4 in the best animated feature, mainly because I didn't think Toy Story 4 was that good. I know Quentin Edmondson, who did the uh, uh, predictions, the Oscar predictions episode with me, he really liked Toy Story 4. And I think that like, more power to the guy, honestly, because Toy Story 4 was a decent film. It was the worst Toy Story movie, which I think is crazy to say. And it's just... I always felt that the natural stopping point for that trilogy was at the end of three when the, the their journey with Andy comes to an end and you could just leave to your imagination what happens with the little girl who becomes their new owner, I guess, right? Because that's the that's the magic of movies. It's the magic of of toys and the the very idea of Toy Story that you, you know he's they're going to continue going on adventures and playing until they can't do it anymore, right? And when that girl becomes old, they'll do it again. They'll do it again. They'll do it again, right? It's just that I think to me was the natural stopping point for Toy Story as a series. And then Toy Story four came out, so wasn't a huge believer in Toy Story four. But turns out hard to stop the Disney juggernaut. And it's funny because the other Oscar I gambled on. I picked Avengers Endgame over 1917 in the best visual effects category because I kind of subscribed to the thinking that I probably should have for uh, for best animated feature, which was simply that I didn't think a lot of people could stop the Disney juggernaut, and I thought they'd kind of give it a little bit of a push for Avengers Endgame, which is very impressive visually. I mean, whether or not you like superhero movies or not, it's not a, I'm not here to talk about that right now. 
but the the visual effects I legitimately thought were very stunning. It's crazy to say, but I I honestly thought 1917 out of the five nominees in that category, maybe one of the weakest ones just because maybe that's me showing my ignorance about CGI and visual effects, because I'm sure a lot of it was very understated because a lot of it looks so real. But I mean, if you look at the other uh, nominees in that category, so Avengers, the Irishman, of course, with the de-aging technology, the Lion King, which of course, completely CGI, very photorealistic looking animals to the point, I mean, you guys remember the episode I did on that. It was creepy. I, I, I almost didn't like it, right? But they looked super real, if not very emotional, but they looked like real animals. And then you got Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, and you can see all the things they do with spaceships and lightsabers and the Force and lightning and all this stuff, right? So, I mean, I can go on and on and on about each one of those movies visually, but and I probably did in their individual podcast episodes. But at the same time, it's just funny that... I adhered to the whole Disney, the Disney thought process for Avengers, and I did not for Toy Story. When if I had flipped it, I also would have been 21 for 24. But what are you going to do, right? I think it's fun, personally, to take risks with your ballot when it comes to the Oscars because it's no fun to just pick all the favorites. It's boring. It's, 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 it's truly boring to pick the favorites because if you just do that, then you, you might as well just log on to whatever, you know, whatever Oscar website is out there and just see what all the, uh, what all the critics consensus is, write it on a ballot and then go from there. Right. That's boring. Come on guys. What are we doing here? Right. I just, if you're patting yourself on the back for picking the favorites, that wasn't a tough job. Right. I think if you had predicted both Bong Joon-ho and Parasite winning, that is that deserves kudos. That deserves kudos because that takes some balls to say, you know what, the DGA is wrong after however many years, you know, the Producers Guild is wrong after pointing to the Best Picture winner, blah, 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 right? Like, you have to take some balls to, I think, add that onto your ballot, whereas it does not take balls, in my opinion, to pick all the favorites. That's just me. I'm not trying to say sour grapes because I I have no regrets about my ballot personally, but it's just really funny that some people are like, oh yeah, oh, 21 or 24. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a real movie guy over here. I really know my movies. It's just kind of a, it's a strange, uh, strange tack to take, let's say. To wrap things up on the podcast today, I just wanted to talk really quickly about some of the other big moments at the Oscars. Because, look, if you stopped listening, if you're still listening, thank you very much. But if you'd stop listening uh, after the Parasite segment, that's totally fine because that's the moment you should take away from this. That Parasite is the best movie of the year. Bong Joon-ho is the most exciting and best director around right now. And Parasite is worth a watch, right? That is the big takeaway from the Oscars this season. Absolutely, by far. The other, the other movies are worthy as well, but Parasite was the best movie of the year, and the best movie of the year was rewarded at the Oscars, which doesn't always happen, right? But we talked about that already. We talked about the balloting and how things were predictable. The actual ceremony itself did carry some interesting parts. And I want to touch on them really quickly. Uh, we won't go in any particular order because I was kind of just writing them down haphazardly as I was going on. Uh, one thing that the the evening I thought started off on a great note, a fantastic note with Brad Pitt winning Best Supporting Actor for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Cliff Booth, his character there, just uh, just oozing cool. You know, he was the another slam dunk mortal lock pick for Brad Pitt. He just he was very beloved in Hollywood, and and now maybe he'll get back to creating as he was apparently saying in the uh, post 
you know how they go after their, they win, they go behind the stage, talk to the press in the kind of press row or whatever. So he went to talk to them and he said that to them as well, which is pretty cool. But Brad Pitt's always been uh, an ally, a great ally. He's used his, his clout and his fame to lift other people up and lift minorities up and, and, and different, you know, genders, my, gender minorities, and of course, racial minorities as well. All that. He does a great job with that. And I think I'm looking forward to him continuing that. But it was kind of a nice, let's say a nice comma, a nice punctuation mark for him to take a quick break from that and celebrate himself, to get celebrated and get appreciated for not just, of course, once upon a time in Hollywood, he deserved it. I've seen some people saying Joe Pesci deserved it and Al Pacino deserved it. I thought Joe Pesci probably deserved it acting-wise the most out of anyone in that category. But Brad Pitt, I think this was all, this was him being great in the movie and also a Lifetime Achievement Award in terms of acting, right? That's kind of how it works sometimes at the Oscars. He was absolutely fantastic, deserved it, deserved it, deserved it. He had a great little moment at the end of his speech, though. I'm a big gobsmacked. I'm not, I'm not one to look back, but this has made me do so, and I, I think of my folks taking me to the drive-in to see Butch and Sundance and loading up my car and moving out here and Gina and Ridley giving me my first shot to all the wonderful people I've met along the way to stand here now. Once upon a time in Hollywood, I think that's the truth. Another great moment from the Oscars, honestly. Brad Pitt deserved it so much. I loved his performance. Probably my only really big favorite part from that movie. I don't think it really deserved to win a lot of other things, personally. I think I feel like I've seen better Quentin Tarantino movies, but at the same time, not here to poo-poo on the movie. Brad Pitt was absolutely awesome. Some other interesting things. Uh, Into the Unknown. I, I, it's kind of funny to, to mention that. Uh, the song from Frozen 2. It was performed by Idina Menzel, and one of the really cool... And really poignant things I thought they did at the Oscars was they had Menzel perform, you know, as the American, quote unquote, Elsa. And then you had uh, then you had all the other Elsas from all over the world. They came in and they sang their parts as well, each kind of saying a line from Into the Unknown. It was really, really cool. I'm not going to play it for you because Into the Unknown, I don't know if I really like that song personally, but just hearing all of them sing individual lines. You know what? I am going to play it. I am going to play it. Yeah, let's go. Meine Kraft wird immer stärker und ich fühle tief in mir drin. Change my mind a little bit there, right? I can do whatever I want. I kind of thought that in the middle of that sentence and changed my mind right away. So there you go. A bit of a snippet of Into the Unknown. Uh, it, was, it was really cool. I thought that was neat. It was just kind of a fun, unique way to present a new Disney song. And Josh Gad had a great line about uh, Idina Menzel's name being pronounced correctly. Great little gag, considering what happened with John Travolta a couple years ago when the first Frozen came out, when she won for uh, Let It Go. Or not her, she performed, but the, the songwriters won, of course. 
Some other things to mention, of course, Maya Rudolph and Kristen Wiig for costume design, they came out and they started bantering. And I admit I didn't love how it started. I kind of thought it took a while to get started, but once they finally got into the whole, oh, we were acting, that that I admit I, I laughed aloud in my living room. And then they did their funny little song, which as well, I think, was probably one of the funniest individual moments of the Oscars. And yeah, I think uh, last couple things, Eminem performing apparently 18 years after he won 8 Mile because he never performed the first time. Kind of weird. I, I mean, like, it's that's cool. Like, in a, in a vacuum, that's cool. But it just seemed really random. Like, Eminem comes out, and you're kind of like, what the hell is happening right now, right? Like, they're playing all these medley of songs. And I tweeted this earlier that I thought that the medley of songs felt like when I'm sitting in my living room and my roommate is hitting next, 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 next on his Spotify playlist because he can't decide what movie or what um, what song he wants to listen to, pardon me, while we're, you know, cooking or sitting there talking or whatever, right? Help music playing in the background because he likes that. And that's totally fine. It's just really funny because that's what it reminded me of. And then it kind of ends on Eminem, which as so often it does at my place as well. Kind of kind of weird how that worked out. But at the same time, it was just strange to see Eminem just kind of randomly pop up. And Eminem, he doesn't, you don't really think of Eminem when you think of the Oscars. I know he won one and he deserved to win that. That was a great song, uh, the great, great performance. It's just kind of strange, right? It just, it just didn't really, it seemed really disconnected to everything else, uh, all things considered. You know, the, the, the show started off also kind of strangely as well. Janelle Monet, she was great. She had some great, great visuals and great costumes and so on. She had a lot of really cool lines in that song. She just kind of serenaded Tom Hanks as being, being Mr. Rogers. And then she kind of jumped into this kind of pop thing. RuPaul was there. That was pretty cool. And then it kind of just ends. And then on top of that, actually, before I get to the next little point, before it ends... They have all these people dressed up as different um, characters from different movies, right? Like, like all these different backup dancers or background dancers are wearing costumes from different movies that you're, I guess, you're here to celebrate. But like Midsommar was on there and Dolomite and Us. And it's like, those movies got completely snubbed by the Oscars. Like, why are you putting them in there? Because you want to fake like you're, like you had people at the Academy watch these movies or appreciate them. Like, clearly they don't. So why would you even, it's, it just seemed kind of token servicey. My last point I wanted to make is I think that is maybe not my big takeaway from the actual ceremony itself. Of course, the awards are their own thing. The awards are what you go and watch it for. And I think everything else ultimately is background noise, ultimately. But it it felt like they were using diverse presenters and dialogue and performances and so on, like Penelope Cruz presenting Best International Feature, for example, to try and make up for the fact that the Oscars themselves are still incredibly white, right? Like we had Chris, Mar- Chris Rock and Steve Martin at the beginning of the, uh, the awards. And Chris Rock made a joke about, oh, yeah, 92 years of the Academy Awards. Back in 1949, we, we didn't have any, any black nominees. And now we have one. Ha ha ha. Like, yeah, that's kind of funny, I guess. But it's also sad. Like, I, I, I feel like when we get to the point where we're not making jokes about how there are no black people or how there are very few colored like people of minorities, let's say, in general, then we won't have to make these observations. We won't have to make those jokes because then you're making making regular jokes about the nominees instead of making a joke about their race or something like that, right? I just thought that was kind of interesting, and I wish that wasn't the case. And and I'll end on this. Chris Rock and Steve Martin came out. They did those comments. They were kind of funny. Some jokes landed. Some jokes didn't. What what are you going to do? That's kind of part of it. But... 
why have a musical performance to start the show, then have Chris Rock and Steve Martin come out as though they're hosting, two former hosts of the Oscars, just to make jokes as though they were hosting, and then not have a host, right? Because a lot of things that really hurt the show, the actual performance, or not performance, pardon me, the actual broadcast itself was no host that it, I think it was glaringly noticeable this year. Like for example, Parasite won original screenplay and then it just, it, it's such a, it's such a fun, nice moment. Then it just cuts as the curtain raises to Elton John, just banging away on a piano. I mean, that was fine, but it just seemed very abrupt and it kind of damaged the previous moment or they're going to have Randy Newman come out there and the camera just zooms backstage onto a toy on a shelf being like, and now for Randy Newman, he's not, and it's not even talking. It's just a sticker that says, now we're going to hear the song from Toy Story 4. It just, that is what the host is there for. The host is there to make sure transitions are smooth. Whether the jokes work or not, doesn't always matter, but it's there to make sure people are, who are watching at home, who are not there in the theater, but this for the people in the theater as well in Los Angeles, but just to make sure it all flows together nicely. And that's what the Oscars missed. That's what it missed. The actual broadcast itself. I think... The awards were a lot of fun. I mentioned they were a, a, a slight, a tad predictable, but that's okay, right? That's okay. That's going to happen for every now and again. But the broadcast could have been better, and I, I feel like it would have benefited from, even just even if you wanted to just have Chris Rock and Steve Martin do it, it would have benefited of that in a in a huge way, I think. That's it for our Oscars reaction pod. Thank you so much for listening, as always. It's been fun talking about the lead-up to the 92nd Academy Awards with you all. I can't believe it's over. I can't believe it's over. The show was three and a half hours long, just a smidge over three and a half hours, and it just... Now here we are. We're basically counting down the time until next year, but you know what? In between now and next February, February of 2021, there are going to be so many fun movies that come because whenever the Oscars end, there's there's about a month, I would say, worth of kind of weird kind of in between movies and then we and then the blockbuster season gets started and you guys know how much I love blockbuster season I go to the movies like it feels like once every five days for three months essentially when the summer gets going so that'll be a lot of fun on the next episode I got a chance to see the gentleman I got a chance to see birds of prey with Margot Robbie the new Harley Quinn movie and I'm going to go see bad boys for life so we're going to review all three of those movies and maybe do a quick recap of some of the other movies we didn't get to of course over the course of the uh, award season but we're going to focus on those three movies to kind of kick off the next phase of the Showtime movie podcast. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the Oscars as much as I did. I really had a fun time talking about them with you this past little while. It's always lots of fun. And as always, have a great night.